Welcome to the Mother Love Podcast. This is Claire Larson, your host, and this project was made possible because of the support of Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, the Montana Coalition. Mother Love was created to promote healing, connection, and shared wisdom through stories. Like any given day spent parenting, each episode brings a balance of tears, laughter, wonder, and surrender. When it comes to parenting, no one should go it alone. On Mother Love, we see you, we hear you, we're in this together. Okay, I'm here with Darcy Weeby. And Darcy, will you tell me a little bit about what you do for work? We'll start with that. I am the Health Resources Division Administrator for the state of Montana. And what that means is that my team, my division, administers Medicaid services for the people of Montana. That includes working on the Metalark Initiative in partnership with the foundation. Also includes, right now we're working on the Heart Initiative, which is initiative to um, increase access to substance abuse and mental health services. And then, of course, we do physical Medicaid benefits, physician services, primary care, acute care. So it's just like um, a lot of the Medicaid services administered Mm -hmm. over um, throughout the state of Montana. Yeah, so that's a big, huge, important job, really. It is. It is. And then I know that you had an interesting, like, transition previously. (laughs) Let's talk about that a little bit, just because with your story, it's such an interesting context. It is. So um, I have worked for the state of Montana for a long time. And um, previously to this position, I was (laughs) the medical marijuana bureau chief, and I was brought in to set up the medical marijuana program after some new laws were passed and I did that for about 18 months Mm -hmm. and it it was it was super interesting some of my daughter's friends would call and say is this your mom's signature on my marijuana card (laughs) and and totally right and she was like yeah it's weird weird turn of events isn't Mm -hmm. it you know yeah um so um that job was super interesting I bet yeah there was never a dull moment in that job it was an interesting position for me to be in trying to work with my kid through addiction mm-hmm. issues, right? Totally. And 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 there's on both sides that marijuana is addictive, marijuana isn't addictive. So that you know it was a real that was real <laughs> interesting for me to plod through and try and figure out what I believe. Totally. I know? bet. Yeah. And it was probably hard sometimes to like remain objective about it with all of your emotional investment in your daughter's recovery which we haven't even gone into yet but we are talking today about mostly about your experience with your daughter what I we were kind of talking about this before we came on but what I'd like to begin with again is like some background context of tell me about like little Mickey so Mickey is your daughter's name Mickey is my daughter's name short for McKinsey Mm -hmm. And she kind of acts like a Mickey. <laughs> yeah. She um, she was pretty precocious when she was a kid, always artistic, always wanting to paint or draw, make little movies. She was really fascinated with, you know, cell phones mm-hmm. that could record. Um, she was pretty happy most of the time. 
she did well in school and she she's funny she's just a funny kid mm-hmm. and really really artistic mm-hmm. so when I think back to when she is younger because um, she is my youngest child oh, okay yeah I just think I thought for a while it's like oh She's just so great. Yeah. She just, you know, I'm I'm glad to end on this Mm -hmm. note. (laughs) Right? You know, she's just Mm -hmm. such a great kid. Yeah. And even now as an adult, she just, uh, the poetry she writes would blow you away. Mm -hmm. And she draws from her personal experiences. So some of it's hard to read, right? Her poetry. Poetry should sometimes be hard to read. um, It's honest. So she's just... Yeah, she she was just such a great kid. She um she did track and field. She was a um, cheerleader. Mm-hmm. She just was. She uh, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. She is. She she is such a great kid, and yeah. we we really really saw a bright future for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Thank you. I feel like those stories are so important to go back to when we were kids and Uh be like, what is essentially a part of who this person is, you know, before anything else came in. Right. And a little bit more about your family. I know that you have a blended family and maybe you could Mm -hmm. talk about Mickey's siblings. So I have, I've been with my husband right now for 19 years. And we do have a blended family. Mm-hmm. Um, between the two of us, we have five kids, uh, two boys and, yeah, two boys and three girls. <laughs> I, I went hey, blank. I'm sorry. When the doctor asks me when my kids' birthdays are, I'm still like, can I have a few minutes yeah. to think about that? And like, sometimes I give them the wrong. I don't think that's uncommon yeah. to be like, oh, the basic things yeah. that I know about my family are hard to relay because they just are. So while Mickey was in the house, we had four teenagers mm-hmm. in in there and on and off mm-hmm. you know because they would go to their moms okay they'd come yeah. back here mm-hmm. and so so Mickey was really had a lot of people around mm-hmm. always right mm-hmm. our house was busy and chaotic mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there were sporting events to go to and all of that but then when the older kids all started going to college mm-hmm. they just one by one started to leave mm-hmm. And pretty soon it was Mickey mm-hmm. at around 10 or 11, who was just like an only kid. Mm-hmm. So that was really hard for her to be an only kid after all of that. I bet. And we didn't have any idea, mm-hmm. right? We didn't know it was hard for her or that she was experiencing any kind of loss or grieving for her siblings being gone. You yeah. Because we just didn't know. Right. So. Yeah. Well, that's a big change in the family as a whole. And sometimes when that kind of thing happens, it's we forget that our kids are having their own experience yeah. of that change. You know, it's like we're adjusting in so many other ways as right. parents that we forget. Like, I've realized that like, oh, my gosh, my kids totally have their own. Ex- like, this is the first time this that loss has ever happened to them. Right. And they don't know what to do. And I forget that that kind of is a really, really big deal. Whereas. I've been through loss and I know that it will end. And I know, you know, I know there's a process through which it gets better. But if you've never been through that, it just seems really devastating. Right. You know, the first time we go through something like that. So I had no idea. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how you didn't. That's a lot of change. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that happened. And I remember you saying that, you know, that that did have an impact on Mickey and kind of 
was what you would consider maybe one of the things that began to cause her to withdraw a little bit yeah, and, and to cause her kind of overall demeanor to change. So both my, I am a computer information systems person mm-hmm. by education and my husband is also in, in the tech world. And so our kids always had really good computer equipment and really good access And she started retreating to her room a lot, and she was playing online games. I don't know if anybody remembers the Penguin game, but, you know, she just started to interact, even with her peers at school, through this game. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they're little penguins building a little city, you know. We thought it was harmless. And, um, And it turns out that she was making a lot of connections in there that weren't very good. Yeah. And she was pretty depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but I found out later Mm -hmm. and started to maybe interact with people in not such a positive way, Mm -hmm. right? So she just started withdrawing. Mm -hmm. And we just thought she was getting towards her teenage years and she was isolating and so when she started hanging out with a friend of hers Mm -hmm. going over you know sleepovers and stuff we were we were pretty happy that she had like a good friend Mm -hmm. and and but we didn't realize what was going on yeah at that at that person's house right Mm -hmm. where they were allowing the children to drink and smoke and do things that we really had no idea were going on there until later so. And she was how old at this point? She was 11, 12, oh my right gosh. in there. Yeah. I remember having, I think I told you this, but having a similar place that, like, I think I would have called it, like, a safe place to, like, be myself. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. like, it's so backwards when you're young and that stuff is happening. Um, But it, I don't, that was beyond 11 for me. I mean, that was when I was probably, like, 15 or 16. So, right. so that's really unfortunate that that kind of environment was provided yeah and she she was always a social butterfly Mm -hmm. right and we live in Clancy at the base of the mountains and so we're pretty isolated Mm -hmm. so whenever she did want to go somewhere she would always need a ride and so we felt pretty confident you know in this friend's home totally that you know she was safe and okay and we found out later that that indeed was not the case yeah Yeah. that's such a bummer because like you said you guys were thinking like oh this is so good for her she's getting out she's not just in her room like yay we're something's going right you know and then it was totally the opposite how disappointing exactly then I know that it was a long journey through, you know, that was kind of the beginning of experimenting with substances. And then, yes, I mean, let's just fast forward to 1415. <coughs> we were starting to notice some real significant changes, but she's our perfect girl, right? And so, you know, we'd be going, well, she's doing good in school and she's a cheerleader. And, and so just kind of we're riding this wave of let's just see what happens Mm -hmm. until she wanted to get her driver's license. Mm -hmm. And she was about 15 and a half. And um, we drug tested her and she tested positive for everything under the sun. And and we were really quite shocked. We thought she might 
test for marijuana, but the other stuff really quite shocked us. But then, as I, I think I told you before, we I had taken her to the doctor. You know, she'd lost 20 to 25 pounds in a very short amount of time. I thought she had cancer or something. Mm-hmm. I thought she was really sick. I took her to the doctor multiple times, and nobody did a drug panel on her. Like, nobody said... Let's let's look in this other direction, right? Maybe maybe we're missing that. And so I I I feel like Mickey had a guardian angel or something because she just never seemed to get caught. So when we <laughs> a guardian yeah. demon. Yeah, right? demon, yeah. 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 So when she tested positive for methamphetamine and some some other stuff we just kind of locked her in the house wouldn't let her leave while we tried to figure out what we were going to do because suddenly when she tested positive for all that everything else made sense totally right we we talked about that with like you see what you want to see as a parent in order to hope for the best and yeah you can call that denial and that's like partially what it is but it's also that it's so hard to consider that our sweet kiddos who we've always just been striving so hard to keep them healthy are suddenly super sick and struggling and I my mom did the same thing she just didn't see what was happening we didn't and and once she did, like you said, once the truth was apparent, it was like, oh. Yeah, and then we went back, you know, we went back some time, and I said, I think she needs to go to treatment. I think this has been going on a long time. And when we kind of locked her in the house, she went through withdrawals. I mean, to the point where she was, she wanted out of the house, and... She would just lay on the floor and throw a fit like a three-year-old. It was it was a tough weekend. I bet. Um, and meanwhile, I'm calling all over the state to try and find treatment <laughs> for a 15-year-old. And there's not a lot of options. Not a lot of places take adolescents. And so I ended up sending her to a place in Yakima. But I didn't. I still didn't know a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. I still didn't understand the connection with mental health and addiction right yeah I mean you're just kind of panicking yeah how do I get my kiddo well yeah so we um I didn't want her in the state because I didn't want her to have access to any of her people Mm -hmm. and so we took her to Yakima and she stayed there for about a month and it's funny the system um when you take somebody to a place like that um, I got calls. It was like maybe a week out from finishing her, and they were telling us that she no longer met the criteria mm-hmm. of addiction, mm-hmm. that we were going to have to pay for that last week ourselves. And, of course, I, I'm i pretty dogged <laughs> when, I think, when I don't think something is right, and so I called and called and called and finally got the insurance company to agree to pay for that last week, and then we brought... Mickey home. What I didn't know is that that was just a place to dry somebody out. Mm-hmm. You know, now she could say, I'm 30 days sober, but but nothing else had been addressed, right? Mm-hmm. Our family problems, not, nothing had been addressed. Which I'm like, what did they do all day then? Because when I, right. when I was in treatment, when I was younger, like, there was a huge emphasis 
like I remember coming into my first group therapy session and like totally being like oh yeah let me tell you my story I've got this all figured out and the therapist was like cool yeah like she was like yeah right like here yeah. we're gonna we do real work in here and right like I know that you think that you don't need help and like you've got this all dialed in but obviously you don't or you wouldn't be here right she was just really like and no one had ever talked to me that way and I was like oh shit you know <laughs> it's weird to me that treatment programs exist that don't take that stuff into consideration right I mean, I think I think they did the traditional, you know, group therapy with everybody, maybe some one-on-one, but it, it didn't touch what mm-hmm. she was going through. So, of course, we brought her back, and she became better at hiding it. Because one thing she did learn at treatment was how to how to bypass a drug test. How oh, to? Yeah. I mean, she learned a lot of really cool tricks. Oh, <laughs> you know, man. yeah. So. So we continued on, and, you know, my husband and I were really struggling. She had a car because we're kind of isolated. She went to school at, um, in Boulder. Mm-hmm. We really struggled with what to do, right? Do we not let her go to activities? The other thing Mickey was really, really involved with was drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was... A ninth grader who is taking on roles that normally were reserved for senior students in the drama program. Oh wow! Yeah, she's um, yeah, she was she's just so creative and um, artistic. Uh, so, a friend of mine who also worked for the state recommended that we see if we can get involved with a uh, grant program that Children's Mental Health was doing. I said, we make too much money, we can't. And she said, no, this one doesn't have any income requirements. And so we decided to give it a go. So we, we were brought into this really great program who, who did, you know, the belief was it, it's a family addiction. It's, mm-hmm. you know, all about the family and, of course, the individual. And so <laughs> this is, um, he's, he's still my therapist today, but this is where we met our therapist and he spent probably four out of seven days a week at my house. And he would have counseling sessions with our family. He would have counseling sessions with Mickey. He he was just he was so awesome, mm-hmm. right? But we also had never had anybody in our house before, right? right yeah. Saying, all right, you need to get rid of those knives. And I don't know where you're going to put those guns, but they need to go and blah, blah, blah. And I was like... Yeah, it's vulnerable. Yeah, and I was like, so why do we got to get rid of our guns? He says, Darcy, you have a kid who's depressed, potentially suicidal. Are you kidding me? Right. You know, and I was like, oh, okay. Totally. So, you know, that also changed our whole outlook on guns and Mm -hmm. kitchen knives and weapons. And it was a lot of stuff that we had to learn, Mm -hmm. right? So we participated in this program for almost a year. Mickey was sent... Through this time, Mickey was struggling. I was starting to have sleep problems. I couldn't sleep because if she was out with friends or she'd sneak out or, you know, I just, it's like, what is she doing? Was um, she still going to school? Yes. Yeah, what, what's, she's super smart. So what is truly amazing about her is that she was still maintaining a B, a B average That's at school. That's insane. And then also just having this other side life, right? Totally. So 
we're a really outdoorsy family, and so we she'd asked us if she could go camping with three of her friends out to, I, I think it was Canyon Ferry or something. Anyway, we got a call from the police, and they picked her up and them for drunk driving, and she had to go to the hospital and be drug tested. It was, and that was just the tip of an iceberg that was happening, you know, again, right under our noses. We're just like, uh we called ourselves Mickey's treatment team with the therapist. And as the treatment team, we decided she needed to go back to treatment. And this time we kept her in Montana, centered to treatment, people who deal with adolescents. And um, she stayed sober after that stint in treatment for a little while. She had some friends who were not using that we would encourage contact with and, you know, but then again, she failed again and just went back into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, we were really, really struggling as a family. My husband and I, our marriage was struggling. I'm sure. I was going to ask about that because yeah. well, my whole so hard. focus was her. Totally. I almost became obsessed well, with of course. keeping her alive, yeah. right? And, That's what we do. Yeah. And so, like, my relationship with him was suffering, even though I've got to say, you know, he, as Mickey's stepdad, he did so much to contribute to her getting healthy. Like, I couldn't imagine going through this with a different person. Right. You know. Yeah, that's so huge. Yeah. And so, but we were struggling. And then my other kids were struggling because my full attention was on Mickey, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where they would go, oh, pfft. Mickey, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and they, yeah. they were getting a little resentful. Which that's got to be a really hard burden to carry, too, because, like, then what do you do? Right, yeah. You know, that's totally such a hard choice to make. Like, what do you, you're still responsible for this person right. because of her age. Right. So it's exactly. not like you can just be like, well, figure it out, yeah. like, you know. So exactly. that's that's really difficult because as much as I'm sure that that was heavy on your heart to let the other relationships in your life fall by the wayside because this couldn't not be your priority. Right, right. You know? And I had a a really great, I have a really great group of girlfriends. That's so important. We we call ourselves the coven. Mm -hmm. And um, they all are involved on some level in mental health work. Recovery and addiction work, work with at youth risk or at risk youth, and so they were also really great resources for me. That's awesome. <clears throat> so when Mickey went to treatment again, like I said, she came out, stayed sober for I don't know about maybe a month. Who knows? And then so she, at this time she's sixteen, sixteen, yeah, <laughs> sixteen and a half. So she starts going to Narnon where she is introduced to men who are going to those meetings from pre-release. And so she is, I don't know, 17, and she gets involved with this guy from pre-release who is hardcore and awful. And Ah, again, it's like the one place that you think that right, it's going to be, be safe for her. Yeah. And so um, this relationship kept going on and on and and of course you know we we didn't like this guy at all because he had some violent tendencies with Mickey you know he was he was in hardcore addiction with her 
when he got out of pre-release, it just got worse and worse yeah. and worse. Yeah. Was she still living at home? So she was living at home until about two or three weeks before her 18th birthday. And I kicked her out. I just said, I can't do this anymore. And of course, that's where she went to live with was with him. Right. Her addiction just got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, she would call me and say, you know, I'm really hungry. And so I would bring her a bucket of chicken. I was really cognizant of not to give her any money, mm-hmm. right, to to further her addiction. Mm-hmm. But I would give her food and, you know, stuff that she needed. And it was so hard. It was I'm just sure. so hard for, you know, me to be thinking about her living under a bench downtown Helena so but she eventually her boyfriend because they were in I'm not even sure I understand the scope of the bad things they were into but it was more than drugs so her her person her boyfriend got arrested for violating right his parole so she was left there now with a whole new group of people that she was hanging out that were way more hardcore than the people she was hanging out with. So she was living there. I went over there a couple of times, and she was just like, I mean, she would get to the point where she was hallucinating, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and couldn't form a, a sentence. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody mm-hmm. on meth mm-hmm. that's so high that they can't, you know, they're rocking and... But I would go over to her apartment just to check on her. Well, then she got into a car wreck. I'm not sure what happened, but she hit another car, like, from the behind. The car wreck was pretty bad. And so we got a call about midnight to go down to the hospital because she'd been in a wreck. And she was in the hospital for, I don't know, a week. We tried to get her held on a um, 72-hour psych hold. Mm-hmm. What was that? Let's slow down for a second because I want to again like honor that your story as a mom. Like, what was it like to get that phone call? Uh, Had you kind of been, you know, like a lot of people say, like waiting for a phone call like that, and that's like why you had trouble sleeping. Like, you probably worried about that. And then, what was it like to have it actually? So I didn't know until all of this that you know I have a pretty, pretty good case of anxiety, right? that was just brought to full flourish when she was in addiction. So we get that phone call and, and you're right. You go, oh, you know, I, we've been waiting for this phone call. So it was just like, you know, you can't breathe when you're driving to the hospital because you're not sure what's going on. And it takes a long time to, to get, huh? Yeah, exactly. So we get there and course she's got a head injury because she she was driving a a Mazda with the big windshield and her airbag malfunctioned so her head just went straight into the windshield and so she had some pretty good injuries from that she was pretty combative in the emergency room which kind of freaked me out but yeah it's just like you get to this point where you go okay this is happening how do we get through this you know, and and you kind of put all of the other, the other stuff aside for a minute, and just say, you know, this is this is a kid who was in a car accident who needs some help, and right. you know, regardless of why or where mm-hmm. or how, she's still, you know, she's still a kid, and um, we struggled with some of the, 
with some of the personnel that was taking care of her, they were they were dismissive mm -hmm. and, you know, well, she's just an addict and, you know. Isn't that so hard because it's like anyone who comes through those doors, like their life is valuable and it's mm -hmm. your job to value it. And it does yeah. not. I mean, I'm sure that it gets hard to see that right. over and over again, but there's got to be some way to remember, like, this is someone's daughter. This is, exactly. you know, like... It, yeah like this this life has value no matter what you think right you know and we struggled with that in a couple of different scenarios where people were you know she's she's an addict she's beyond hope and it's like wait a minute this is my kid mm -hmm. you know I love her she her sisters and brothers love her you know she has a life this isn't all there is to her right mm -hmm. so yeah we struggled with that a little bit um after that car accident, her boyfriend was in jail, and um, we talked her into going to treatment, which was a big relief for us that she agreed to go because we, we sent her to California. Mm -hmm. We sent her to a long-term program mm -hmm. where, you know, she would be in intensive inpatient rehab for three months maybe longer she needed it, and then intensive outpatient. And that particular facility was amazing, mm. right? Mm -hmm. They, um, they Which it, pro it must have had to be because having gone through treatment, what, twice? Was it two times or three times before th that? Three. Three. Yeah. It must have been really hard to make that decision. It was, like yeah. to send her away for that yeah. long. Mm -hmm. So we did go up, we flew up there like for the family counseling days and that kind of stuff. And she was really doing good, right? I mean, the sunshine in California, and the stuff she was learning. They did music therapy where they had, um, you know, they wrote songs and everybody did whatever. And so she was singing and she wasn't that bad. They did, she had surfing lessons and, you know, they did sober campfire nights. And I mean, all of this was really so positive for her. And she, she really started looking healthy mm -hmm. where she hadn't for so long. I bet. Yeah. Um, so she came out of that treatment facility nine or 10 months later mm -hmm. And she came back to Helena. And we had concerns that Helena maybe wasn't the best place for her to go. But Helena doesn't, or Montana doesn't have a lot of options for sober living, right? And so... Unfortunately. Yeah. So we were really hopeful about the future. And she was doing good. And then, bam, she wasn't. Mm -hmm. We um, we met her somewhere for coffee or something. And, you know, by now, I know what it looks like to be high, right? Your, your big old eyes and, mm -hmm. you know, and I was just like looking at her. I said, are you high? And she goes, well, yeah, la, 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 la. And then it just got worse from there. So that facility in California agreed to take her back at, um, at a decent rate, mm -hmm. right? And so we put her on a plane and we sent her back because we're just thinking, Right. We don't know what else to do after, I mean, 
Right. Well, and it seemed like that was the most effective thing to give her time to experience a life without, you know, having with like without being high all the time and giving her experiences because it's like we talked about this before, I think, too. But like until you have lived experience of what it feels like to be healthy again. Right. After your body getting used to being unhealthy for so long. Right. Like you have to introduce and replace all of those lifestyle choices and behaviors and influences. Like you can't just say, don't do that anymore. You have to also give this new experience of, but you can do this. And this is what that feels like. Because if you're trying to give up an addiction, Mm -hmm. you know, you, it's a lot harder to give it up if you don't remember what it feels like to be well. Right. Exactly. So even just having that sustained time Time. of like oh yeah and then when you're tempted to when there's relapse that's threatening or you're feeling pulled back in the direction you have something else to remember right that you know well enough and is familiar well enough in your being to choose that instead right you can't choose that if you don't remember what it's like what it's like yeah so you know at this time she's like 19 or 20 and Of course, we have less control over her now, right? You know, it's easy to control your kid, (laughs) easier when they are living in your house and you are legally responsible for them. You can't just kick them out, right? So when she voluntarily went back to this facility, it, it was a good thing. She stayed there for about six months and then, um, decided when she came back that, she was going to go into sober living in Bozeman. And I got to tell you, too, those stints that she was in treatment were like the only times that my husband and I in those years had any sense of normalcy in our relationship, right? Because we knew she was safe. We knew she was somewhere that she was being taken care of. Her basic needs were being met. And we could actually relax a little. And your anxiety and your mental load. And I'm sure just trying to carry on with your like day-to-day work. Yeah, that was tough too. When you're so worried all the time yeah like, right that would be so I can't even imagine how hard that must have been it, it was it was hard and like I said when you know it was these spurts of normalcy in our family when she was gone um so she comes back and then she decides she's going to go to sober living in Bozeman we thought it was a great idea because you know and 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 once she got to Bozeman she got a job working at a um, eyeglass optometrist shop. She, like I said earlier, super smart kid. So, you know, she was assistant manager. They were asking her to be the manager within six or seven months. She met somebody who was also in in the program but sober. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I think that helped her a lot. So she was doing pretty good, right, as far as we were concerned, mm-hmm. you know. How long was that period of time from when she returned from California to she's working at the eyeglass place, she's in active recovery? So that was always when she was 19 or 20. And so she was living at the sober living place. 
And she lived there for about seven months, but oh, okay. it, it closed down. Oh, God. <laughs> right? I just, when I say there's not a lot of resources, <laughs> and specifically resources for women, I'm not joking, right? And in my job, I am aware, I'm lucky enough to have access to experts and resources, and, you know, not everybody has that. Totally. Also, you know, we're pretty middle class, so we had access to probably more monetary resources than other people did too Mm -hmm. and with all that we still couldn't make her better right you know and that's what makes you so like relentless in your job yeah which is which is when people talk about Darcy and the work she does it's like she is fully dedicated to doing this work because you've seen it yeah right firsthand I've lived it right and so You know, I can always look at multiple aspects. So if we're developing policy, I can actually see how this policy might affect somebody and ask good questions and say, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. um, Which is so different than just trying to fathom what might be helpful if you've never had... an experience that's similar to those who are needing the help. Right, exactly. So she was in the sober living in Bozeman. It closed down, so she went to go live with her boyfriend. They were doing pretty good um, until he got in trouble and ended up having to leave the, the home. And I was scared out of my mind because by that time she'd gotten pregnant him leaving the home, I was so worried she was going to spiral back into addiction. You know, I started being anxious again. And, of course, she's in Bozeman, so yeah, I don't have immediate access to her. Um, I ended up the last month of her pregnancy going um, and staying with her and kind of working, you know, on and off from home, from her place. So, was she able to stay sober during her pregnancy? I can't remember. Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. Absolutely. Uh, but I was worried this was the breaking point, totally. right? The Makes partner sense. leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I started going to her appointments with her. And then I was there at her at the, the baby's birth. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they did some intakes on her, you know, where she was completely honest about her substance abuse. And they did multiple ones, um, which I thought was weird because it's hard to talk through it once, let alone twice. Mm. And... Her birth was pretty traumatic. Um, so when they, she ended up having a cesarean. When they pulled that baby out, she just didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Nothing. She yeah. had no, she, nothing. She didn't want to touch him. She didn't want to see him. She just, you know, so I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I'm glad I'm here. So, you know, the baby's first day or two was just me mm-hmm. feeding him and mm-hmm. you know and finally she said can I see my baby I was like please please were do you, yeah. were you surprised when that happened or did you I was. know that, no. that what have you learned about that because that's something I don't know about but I bet it happens Probably a lot just the, the trouble accepting the reality of it and the, yeah. the the fear around oh my god now I have this little one to care for I can't even care for myself like have yeah. you learned about well that I just know it was I, I know from her mm-hmm. experience um it was just really hard for her to look at that baby and not think about all the trauma she just went through, totally, right? And yeah. then her partner's gone, and she just, like, it was almost like she kind of gave up for a day or two, mm-hmm. right? And then It was fo- just too much. Yeah. 
And then finally she asked for her baby, you know, because like what was going through my mind is like, you better bond with this baby pretty quick because <laughs> I don't want to be raising your baby. <laughs> well, not to mention yeah. the whole like just not to stall us, but um, recovering from a cesarean without pain medication right. because of the consideration of that. Yeah. Like that's intense too. Right. And if you like if you add on the trauma of that having to have like a surgery suddenly right. that you're not anticipating and then trying to recover in your body which you're only just getting to know can be well at all right. anyways like that is a lot and I know I had a c-section with my first baby in those first three days of her life although I didn't have the same experience of not bonding like they were scary and hard right. and not what I expected and you know I mean that's yeah. a lot just in and of itself so I can see that. And like, can you imagine if you hadn't been there? I can't. Right. Right. If she wouldn't have had that kind of dedicated, intense support, I'm not, I don't know what the outcome would have been. Do you think the staff would have stepped up or would they just have, I'm just curious. I think that by this time Mickey's doing so well that they just kind of didn't, they didn't realize Mm -hmm. how how here's been my experience is that a lot of times with kids people don't believe they're in active addiction they believe they're just messing around you know experimenting and yeah stuff. and so I got told that a lot with Mickey and I'm like well I don't she has track marks on her arms how how experimental is that right wow that must be so hard yeah I mean I don't think people realized at that time with that baby and with me there that she might need some support, right? Because eventually I have to go home. Right. She ended up moving in with me because she couldn't afford everything by herself in Bozeman. But I stayed with her those first, I don't know, that week and a half, two weeks after he was born to make sure she was bonding and mm-hmm. learning and mm-hmm. um and she started to do really well with him and I I mean they have a sweet sweet relationship now right? yeah totally you know? yeah um but yeah I feel like she might have been sent home without the support she might have needed mm-hmm. so she still sees the therapist that I see that was our family therapist when she was a teenager that's so cool. I know. So he like he knows our family really, really mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. He's also counseled my husband for a while. We went to couples counseling, you know, trying to mend some issues between us. That's pretty amazing. You know. I mean, that's so rare to have someone who can be there for everyone in yeah. your family in all the different ways. And he's been, yeah, he's he's an awesome therapist. That's cool. And we're all pretty good about respecting the boundaries of that. Like, you know, um, I'm not going to talk to you about your husband or your kid. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it wouldn't, then it would just become a gigantic Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's agreed to do it because we're good Mm -hmm. about respecting Mm -hmm. that boundary. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not my business what Mickey's talking about in counseling. It's not her business what I'm talking about, even though we often discuss because it helps us decompress. Yeah. But discussing on your own right. is different. Than, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, right now she um, she is going to college. 
again, super artistic kid, poetry, um, short stories, artwork, painting, sculpture, drawing. She's just so talented and and interesting, right? She does really interesting art. Well, I'm sure. I mean, she's had so much experience for the age that she is. Right. And a lot of times creative work can come out of really, really hard things. Sometimes her work is dark. I bet. It needs to be. Yeah. I mean, otherwise that's all just living in there, right? I mean, some some of her poems can just bring me to tears because they're, you know, about her lived experience put forth in such a poetic way that you can you can you can see or i can see in my mind the darkness that was right in her and that's good know. poetry yeah. yeah and so <clears throat> she's doing really well her little boy finn is now 17 months old he is adorable in fact he visited me last night with mickey ah uh, her husband is out of town working on construction and so, you know, she came over because mom always feeds her. And her <laughs> husband is Finn's biological dad, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So he's been able to get well and yes. maintain his sobriety. And- yeah. And he um, he's a really active father. One of the things that he had to do was take some parenting classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently he was a very good student because he's doing really good with man i'm taking parenting classes right now and they're yeah. amazing right? i recommend them to everybody anybody right <laughs> especially a circle of security i'm just going right? to do a shameless plug <laughs> yeah. for that if you can yeah. get into greg daly's circle of security do it yeah yeah i often tell um, my kids like that that's worthwhile worthwhile sure. use of their time yep but anyway so the, the downside to that is Right. The farther you get away from active addiction, the more comfortable you become with the situation. Right. So you, I'm comfortable right now with Mickey being sober and acting normal. And but the downside to that is if she isn't acting normal or something's off or I mean, I am then I'm constantly like looking in her eyes and, you know, watching her extra clothes to see if she's using so like you never become comfortable with the awesome human that they're becoming because you always live with it really is one day at a time totally and so sometimes that strains our relationship yeah I imagine but for her right now things are going really well and for me as well right I mean Yeah. And I was going to say it's sort of that's sort of the same. I would compare that to her time in treatment in California. Right. Yeah. For you as her mom and as her advocate through all of this. Right. You know, which you didn't have to be like you, you know, you could have at any point been like, you know what, I'm done. And and there were points that you had to do that. But you but. You having gone through all that period of time and, and watching all of that happen and watching it happen over and over again, yeah. you know, that trains your brain and your nervous system to believe that that is a threat that is still there. Right, right. But yeah. the more lived experience you have with healthy, sober Mickey, right, like, and watching her 
maintain that, yeah. like, the more you, you will gain back that confidence. Correct. But it takes, I mean, everyone who's involved in someone who they care about, their recovery and their addiction uh-huh. talks about this, right? You have to repair all the damage that's been done right. in that relationship. Yes. And yep. it's not a linear road. And it it's is not, not. And you have honestly every right to question that, even though I'm sure it's so hard. Yeah, it is. It's really hard. Yeah. And I got to tell you, the therapist, our shared therapist, told me once, and it kind of made me feel good. He said, the only reason that girl is alive is because you fought so fiercely for her. He says, I don't think she would have survived it if you weren't there. Totally. Doing all the things. I agree. I think about that sometimes Mm -hmm. because I often will go, gosh, you're so overbearing or you're, you know, You you just kind of, you know, again, yeah, really passionate about those topics and, you know, and I just, I I agree. Like, I I don't think she would have lived through it if I wasn't there. Like, you know, I was a giant pain in her butt, but, you know. Brie, um, Brie, our director at HMHB, for listeners who don't know Brie, has a saying, advocate like a mother. And there is nothing like the fierce love of a mother to stand up for our kids like right in any situation even as messed up as it can be right like and it's a fine line between enabling and advocating it can be right yeah but oh, it is though it really is but you did your best and yeah. like even if that was blurry sometimes I think that that's a really important just like phrase to keep in your heart for when like like the therapist said for when time gets hard and you're worried and all the things just be like I'm worried because I have kept this person alive right and it still is a part of me to watch out that I like don't need to step in and start doing that again yeah exactly. and now Finn too right I mean yeah the stakes are higher now right exactly Mm -hmm. there's a lot more to lose Mm -hmm. than there was Mm -hmm. so I'm pretty healthy mentally Pretty. I say pretty because I still see a therapist. We're all <laughs> hopefully almost healthy. Hopefully we're almost or pretty healthy mentally. Yeah. Like in this world, I yeah. feel like that's sometimes as good as you can get. Right. And then my husband, he saw our therapist for a while individually. And then we did counsel, uh, uh, dual counseling. And he has stopped <laughs> going to counseling. But I also feel like he, since we went through that, he's actually a better husband Mm. a better partner so oh I'm sure I mean the because you guys survived that right it's like there's a deep deep trust of like what won't like if you didn't bail on me during that yeah I'm pretty sure you're gonna stick around right exactly what you know yeah how much harder (laughs) we do we do have a pretty deep connection so Mm -hmm. that's so but anyway it has with her with that kid yeah it's been a journey mm-hmm. and Finn's two now is that right he's eight almost 18 months okay he's so adorable yeah he's just like so cute yeah um and he comes over to visit I don't know probably once or twice a week um we have dinner um so our relationship is mine and Mickey's relationship is totally different yeah I bet um does she say like, "Hey, thanks, mom, for yeah, everything"? She does. I'll get little texts mm-hmm. from her saying, 
I was just thinking about so-and-so, and I just, you know, I love you so much. Thanks for everything you do for me, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so I get those once in a while. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And in person, too, mm-hmm. you know. And she full-time at Helena College? Um, yes, she's full-time at Helena College. Now she's kind of thinking of trying to incorporate art mm-hmm. into what she wants to do, like art therapy. And that would be so incredible. I know. Because, because, again, it's like helping people that you truly understand and can have empathy for. Well, and it's also understanding, like I said, like the dark art, too. Yep. It's understanding what space you have to be in to create that kind of stuff. Yep. Okay. I think that's all. I've got for yeah. you. Thank you so, so much. Oh, yeah. It was lovely talking and... to you. Thank you to our incredible editor and producer, Brooke Boone Miller, for sharing her gifts with us. She's a mom and she gets it. And for that, we are so grateful. If you are seeking supportive parenting resources, please visit hmhb-lifts.org, an online guide meant to connect Montana families to services and programs throughout the state. It's okay not to be okay. Help is within reach, and you don't have to go this alone. We promise. And if mother love speaks to you as much as we hope it does, please consider supporting this project by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it with your network, and or writing us a quick review. We are passionate about getting these stories out into the world, and we need you to help us spread the word. Oh, and just one more thing. We know a lot of moms who are really fired up about creating change in the maternal health care world. If you feel inspired to make a donation to this movement, please go to hmhb-mt.org donate or click the link in the show notes. Even just a 5 or $10 donation can make a huge difference. Imagine a future where mothers and caregivers feel supported, seen and heard as they carry out the most important work of their lives, 